Welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hemmerker. In each episode, she'll talk with your favorite romantic suspense authors. They will take you behind the scenes of the writing process, giving excerpts from their writing, and share stories about their writing life. The Ghosts of Trumball Mansion by Linda Wood Rondeau Why do the ghosts attack only him? Or is Henry Fitzgibbons insane? Lana Longstreet is his star author and the known de plume of his estranged wife. Though he still loves her, how can he live in a home where ghosts attack him at every turn? Maybe the time has come to officially end any obligation to his wife's Connecticut estate and be free from their torment. Though she still loves her husband, Sylvia Fitzgibbons is tired of the charade of a marriage. She'd ask Henry for a divorce, but the children are planning an anniversary party in August, and she has a deadline for her Johnny Gallant suspense series in the same month. Then there are the decaying rose gardens, the only allure drawing Henry to the estate and her launch parties. Henry agrees to help with the garden repair, but his hopes for a quick departure are smashed when Sylvia's housekeeper is injured. Unable to resist her femme fatale wiles, Henry is trapped for the duration. But as the couple draw on each other for support, the malignant forces within the home become increasingly aggressive. Something evil conspires against them that only faith can conquer. Will they survive? Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm your host, Sarah Hammerker, and I'm so glad you joined me. Today, I am with Linda Wood Rondo. She is a longtime writer and editor, and I am just thrilled to have her on my show. Thanks for joining me, Linda. What a pleasure. Thank you for such a kind introduction. <laughs> well, it's all true. <laughs> is it not? You are a prolific writer, and you've written many books, and you are an editor, right? So That's correct. <laughs> yeah. I nailed it. Yay! <laughs> we have nothing less to talk to talk about. No, just kidding. We have plenty to talk about. So let's start with the um, with the title of your book, uh, "The Ghosts of Trumbull Mansion." Is uh, the romantic suspense book that we're gonna kind of touch on during our talk today. So um, you know why ghosts? I mean, it is a Christian romantic suspense book, right? That's correct. Yes. <laughs> Um, I use the term ghost for several reasons. Um, my hero and heroine are an estranged married couple. Um, Henry sees a lot of disturbances in their Connecticut home, and they trouble him to the point that he refuses to live with his wife. And um, the ghost, he calls them ghosts, these disturbances and because he doesn't know what else to call them. He is an unbeliever. Um, Sylvia doesn't believe that Henry really sees anything abnormal. She doesn't really see anything crazy in the house. Um, and so she thinks that he's just using this as, ex as an excuse not for them not to be together. And I chose the ghost for the title because I think it's important that we understand as Christians, Satan will use any means possible 
to deter or deflect our relationship with the Lord. And if that means that he makes disturbances in the home that look like ghosts, then that's what he will do. Mm. And uh, I think the reader will understand that these ghosts are satanic in nature. Also, I wanted to use that title to uh, talk about Henry and Sylvia's past. They have ghosts in their past that have impacted their ability to maintain a stable marriage. Okay, so you have a dual meaning then with the title. Correct, yes. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's an interesting, interesting way to use this. So the suspense is about what the, what are these paranormal things? activity, paranormal activity. Okay. There's also a subplot in there where Sylvia is being sued for plagiarism. Mm. And there's, there's a suspense plot involved with that. Why, who, for what purpose was she being sued? Okay. All right. So you, you, you like to layer on a lot of things in your book, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm hearing from you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, life is complicated. <laughs> we all have layers. Yeah, that, that is true. And one of the things that I, I personally enjoy about writing fiction is, is um, because we get to use our characters to kind of peel away some of those layers on them and kind of show how, you know, how God works on our hearts through our characters, right? Um, That's correct. Even our villains, mm -hmm. you know, I'll have a good side somewhere. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I remember talking to um, another writer years and years ago and and trying to explain, I said, well, I mean, he had a villain. He was really a villain, 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 but there was like nothing to make him seem like a human. I said, you know, all villain, and, they, and so he finally kind of got it. He's like, oh yeah. So he made him a little more human, you know, um, with, with, I forget what he used, one part of his life where he was, you know, kind and tender because we all have that, you know, we have, we're not, we're not one dimensional people. <laughs> You know, there's lots of layers to us. So I love peeling that away. So can you talk a little bit about how you work the, um, speaking of peeling layers away, the faith element in your books in general? I mean, you can talk about ghosts if you um, want to, the ghost of Trumbull Mansion if you want to, but just in general, how do you kind of infuse your books with faith? Um, sometimes my uh, heroines and heroes are Christians to begin with. And they come into situations that challenge that faith. Okay. In, in Ghost of Trumbull Mansion, Henry and Sylvia were both exposed to faith growing up. Henry is the son of a, a minister, and Sylvia was brought up in Sunday school, and she knows the chorus is, yes, Jesus loves me. And But when she went away to college, she fell away from anything uh, religious or spiritual in nature. She said, well, I can worship on top of the mountain. And she says, but I never climbed a mountain and I never went back to church. Um, it's not that she didn't believe in God, but God was not important to her. Mm. She had plenty of success on her own. She became a very rich, romantic, suspense um, author. Yeah. So, <laughs> 
Surprise. Um, she, yeah. <laughs> you know, she, she felt she didn't need God until she herself began to experience the, that satanic influence. Mm. And one of the aspects where she was uh, influenced by satanic forces was the fact she kind of went into her writer persona. She, Sylvia goes by Lana Longstreet. That is her writing name, her nom de plume. And uh, she, because of the problem she had with Henry, she went totally into her writing persona, almost possessed by this alter ego. And as the story progresses, we see Sylvia struggling against that. She's trying to be her own person again, but doesn't know how to do that. And it's only through faith that she finds her true identity and her true self. Yeah, and I love that, um, you know, the way as Christian writers, we can use that faith element to kind of draw the, the characters to God, but also um, our readers. And I always learn something new about myself when I write, <laughs> when I write books and maybe where I, my faith has been lagging or lacking, or maybe where my faith has been strong. And I want to share that, um, with, with writer, with, with other, um, readers. So, yeah, I think it's, it's so much, um, it's so fun to write because we can add a little bit of that personal or some of our personal experiences, um, as Christians in there as well. Well, I think too, as Christians, especially if you're raised in church, you begin to have an alter ego. You have an alter persona that you put on for all your Christian friends and your church and, and all that, you know, those expectations of mm -hmm. behavior and you know the lingo and you can say it, but somewhere along the line, perhaps you forgot to have an actual personal encounter with the Lord. And so I wanted to bring that out in the story as well. Cause I know that's, the way I was, I was brought up in, in a church, but I was very legalistic. And as a young uh, adult and a young mother, I just totally rebelled. And it wasn't until God gave me a personal encounter that I realized that he had a plan for me yeah. and, and, and that I found my true identity in the Lord through that personal encounter with him. I bet seems to be a theme of, of um, is that a theme of all your books or is that just Pretty a much. theme? <laughs> Can't help but put ourselves into our yeah. books. <laughs> I know, I know. It's so hard not to, so hard not to. Um, so what what is it about romantic suspense that you enjoy writing? I don't write a lot of romantic suspense. This one happens to be, my first book was, um, mm -hmm. Uh, the Other Side of Darkness, um, which that one won um, a debut award from CELA. Oh, nice. Yes, I was really pleased about that. Um, and, and I like just exploring, you know, how a relationship develops. I love the romance part. I think in all my books, there's some element of suspense. Mm. And there's some element of romance. So I guess I really don't separate the two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, just, just a few of my books have been totally suspenseful or, okay. you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy the, the duality of the romance balanced by the suspenseful 
part of it. Um, in my longer books, I have, you know, I'll have multiple points of view and a little bit more, the story's a little more complex, um, which is always a lot of fun. Um, but even in the shorter ones, it's just fun to, to write. Like I said, I write, I write um, books where they, the hero and heroine fall in love while running for their lives, you know, <laughs> kind of. Kind of hard to get a romance going that way, but it happens. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, they manage. <laughs> the heat of the moment, the, the heat of love comes along, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, well, there's, there's, there's moments of, you know, where they're not running, literally, but um, yeah, yeah, that, there's, I think it's just interesting um, how different romance, um, romantic suspense writers kind of weave those two together um, in the book. So, and but in Ghosts, your, your um, hero and heroine are already married, so they kind of have to fall back in love with each other. Is that what yes, I'm hearing? Um, the love kind of is there, but it's, it's the distractions in mm. life that have divided them. And in this case, it's the ghost. Henry's claustrophobic, um, and he in the in the ballroom of her um, Connecticut estate. Every time he goes in there, he sees these caricatures, and they're doing a minuet, and then they point fingers at him and they ridicule him, and so that he just can't stand being in the home. So there are barriers to them. Mm -hmm being able to reignite their love. And it isn't until each of them come to a faith encounter that they are able to get beyond the ghost of their past and the ghost of the mansion. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like a great book. And we are um, we are kind of out of time. <laughs> I always go super fast. So thank yes. you so much for being on my show. Oh, I appreciate you having me. It's been fun. You have been listening to The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm your host, Sarah Hamburger, and I've been talking to Linda Wood Rondo. She is um, the author of many books, including Goat, The Ghosts of Trumbull Mansion. You'll be able to stay tuned to hear an excerpt from that book. Now an excerpt from The Ghosts of Trumbull Mansion by Linda Wood Rondo. Prologue. Fifteen years earlier. Sylvia Moore Fitzgibbons steadied herself against the balustrades surrounding the upstairs promenade. Henry stood at the door, much like Scarlett O'Hara's Rhett. In her mind, Sylvia could hear Scarlett say the words, Oh, Rhett, whatever will I do without you? She expected the same final condemnation to pass from Henry's lips. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a... Sylvia screamed her petition. Henry, don't go! He paused, his gaze sorrowful as he opened the double-paneled door. I'm sorry, Sylvia. I told you last night. I can't live here. She pushed away from the rail, her knees wobbling, wanting the floor to swallow her whole. How could she live in a world where Henry no longer shared her bed? She summoned the author within. If she were to survive, Lana Longstreet must completely take over. Then go! He glanced toward the marble-floored ballroom. 
I tried, Sylvia. For a brief while, I thought I might eventually learn to manage the commute. He pointed toward the infamous ballroom. But whatever's in there is real, and it hates me. Of all the excuses she'd ever written, Henry's fiction surpassed Lana Longstreet's most creative pages. Will I still see you Wednesday? As agreed, a weekly business meeting at Chez Philippe. With that, Henry was gone, leaving Sylvia to mourn the life she'd lost. Only Lana could help her make a new one. What now? She surveyed the staircase and the portraits of the ancestors. Lana Longstreet would not let sentiment stand in the way of enjoying this mansion, a piece of New Haven history, shaking her head at Henry's idiocy. Sylvia surveyed the lower rooms. The lure to the old Trumbull mansion, now known as the Donner Estate, and now hers. Every room, even the servants' quarters on the left wing beyond the ballroom, remained as the edifice when Trumbull built the place. Of course, she'd modernized the kitchen for Rosalie. She couldn't expect her cook to manage with a wood stove. Anger heated her cheeks as she surveyed the perfect symmetry and Georgian architecture. How could Henry have resisted the breathy charm filling each room, the engraved woodwork and etched ceilings? Last night's sharp criticism still stung. Of all your impetuous designs, this is the craziest thing you have ever done, Henry had said. Lana Longstreet thought her decision to buy Trumbull Mansion the smartest move she'd ever made. She walked through the living room to the kitchen, then looked out the window at the rose gardens. The only feature Henry found alluring, though he couldn't name a single species. She'd laughed while Henry referenced each bed by its color and location rather than their common name. Apparently, not even the roses were enough to keep him here. He'd rejected her gift and thrown their marriage to the wind in the process. He made his choice. Now, Lana Longstreet would make hers. The once-bustling Trumbull Mansion would live again through 21st-century galas, and Lana Longstreet would emerge as New Haven's sauciest socialite. A last tear trickled down Sylvia's chin. She pulled out a hanky from the sleeve of her knitted long-sleeved tee and wiped her eyes. No more regret. No more conniving. She'd salvage what she could from her broken marriage and find contentment within Lana Longstreet's independence. Though Henry refused to call the mansion his home, he would not divorce her. Her books brought in the bulk of the profits for Fitzgibbons and Associate Publishing. If love didn't motivate Henry's faithfulness, the fear of poverty would. And they would have Wednesdays at Chez Philippe's. A little perfume, sultry helplessness, and Henry would take her to his bedroom, a small part of him better than none at all. She gazed at the beveled archways gracing the entrance to both the ballroom and sitting room. She'd fashion a life for herself and the children here, let Henry keep his predictable Manhattan existence.
Lana Longstreet's genius needed surroundings that juiced the creative spirit, one that would be richly fed in this historic home. She scanned the open ballroom, the cornerstone of Trumbull's influence on a nation in the making, the place where Henry claimed ghosts danced. Ridiculous. She joined Julie in the ballroom. Her daughter and son were perhaps Sylvia's greatest claim to fame than all of her books, and mothering the only arena in which she'd not permit Lana Longstreet to dominate. A residual pungency coated Sylvia's throat. Let's get out of here. Smells like rotten eggs. Tomorrow I'll hire a cleaning service to purge these odors. Julie stood with cocked head, her gaze fixed on the angel-engraved marble fireplace. They're gone, Mother. They jumped back into the walls when Daddy left. Thanks for listening to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hammerker. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. You can sign up to receive notifications of upcoming podcasts and listen to previous editions at sarahhammakerfiction.com.